On this episode of That's Classic, I talked to the producers of Mayberry Man the Movie and Mayberry Man the Series. All three of the producers are children of actors who have appeared on The Andy Griffith Show. So there's a lot of fun, a lot of history, a lot of background there. And since we did the interview, they have actually shot at the Indianapolis 500, and Al Unser Jr. is in the film. I believe they also shot in his suite. So that's the update. Enjoy the interview. Okay, fantastic. Today on That's Classic, we have a real fun one. Um, there's uh, We actually have three, three different guests, but uh, they're all together. They're all producers uh, from the Mayberry Man movie, but they also happen to be sons of people that ha- of people that have starred on the Andy Griffith Show, which is pretty wild. So we have uh, Hoke Howell's sons, uh, and Hoke Howell, of course, was dead wash in the Andy Griffith Show. So we have Stark Howell, and we have Court Howell. Say, nice to have you guys on the show. Howdy. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Oh, you got it. It's a total pleasure. And then at another level, we have Greg Shell, whose father happens to be Ronnie Shell, who was not only um, in a couple of episodes of the Andy Griffith Show, but then of course went on to star in Gomer Pyle USMC. So, um, Greg, welcome. Thank you so much. Great to be back with all of you. Yeah, without a doubt. And I'll throw in yes. Greg happens to be a very old friend of mine, and he actually, for all you people out there that want a little tidbit, he actually shot the video of my wedding. That is true. So there you go. That's my sixth degree of separation from the Andy Griffith show. But um, anyway, uh, today, yeah, I'd love to talk, uh, you know, out of the gates. Why don't we talk just a little bit, uh, Stark and Court? Your your father was uh, obviously very close with Rance Howard. Um, not only being on the Andy Griffith show, but he was he was very close with uh, Ron Howard's dad um, in writing. Is that true? Yes, he was. Actually, I, I asked my mom yesterday because I was we my son watches the color episodes of the Andy Griffith show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Opie's probably 12, 13. And I know we knew them then. But I said I don't really have a visual picture in my mind of hanging out with Ron Howard. Mm-hmm. Although we did. And I asked her, do you remember him at that age? And then she kind of gave me a little rundown of when they reconnected after New York and all that stuff. So it's it was I was probably seven when uh, we reconnected with the Howard family. And then a few years later, they became writing partners. And but uh, Clint is a year younger. Clint is Ron's younger brother. He's mm-hmm. a year younger than me in school. So we did all the sports together and uh, we're kind of best friends in high school. I mean, I had, you know, diff- different best friends in different areas of my life. And um, Clint was definitely someone I hung out with a lot. Yeah, I, I noticed in the, I read the book, The Boys, that uh, Ron and Clint wrote, which, by the way, is an excellent book. It really and, is. Uh, I actually saw your name in there. Yeah, it was so, in there. Yeah. I my little f- 15 minutes of fame, 15 seconds, 15 words of fame. <laughs> 15 words of fame. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, son of a gun. There's Stark. Yeah. Court, do you, um, what, you know, as far as your father, uh, what, what is your recollection or knowledge of him as, you know, as Dud Wash on the show? What have you heard? Well, that, that was before my time. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, it was a great role for him because he later, I guess it was in the nineties, uh, before he passed, he started going to some of these Mayberry events and meeting the fans. And it was like this whole world he had no idea even existed. And uh, so you got to go be a big shot celebrity, you know, in the Mayberry world. And yeah. so um, so that was a lot of fun. He really enjoyed meeting the fans and and telling stories. I think he's sort of recommitted his uh, dialogue, you know, the uh, guerrilla warfare, uh, you know, speech and things like that. And uh, he loved entertaining the fans and and being Dud Wash, the original Dud Wash. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed uh, by by Bob Denver. Oh, is that you know what? You're right. You're right. That just hit me. You're totally right. Wow, that's kind of a trip that it was. We, we don't talk down. about that, uh, John. We just... <laughs> he was the only Dud Wash. Okay, I got it. Um, so, hey, one other thing I noticed that Ron Howard uh, put your dad in like three films and two of them were big. I mean, far and away and, uh, uh, Oh, and grand theft auto. Yeah. That was that I, I is that because of the tie in just knowing him or purely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, literally. I mean, you know, 
Ron is very much, well, he was brought up, you know, by Rance and Gene to, you know, everyone's kind of got to hold their own. And uh, he certainly gives his friends and family opportunities. He's obviously takes good care of Clint, making sure uh, he gets opportunities in all Every films. Every film, I think. Yeah. But, but you had to be right for the part is the impression I got. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, when opportunities came up that our dad was a good fit, he would he would use them. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's not it's not like being uh hoke howard he wasn't hoke howard he was hoke howell so uh, yeah, but he yeah. got in there a few and then grand theft auto i actually was i was probably 12 or 13 at the time and um my dad took me to the set for the demolition derby scenes oh God, so that, that was cool. a blast and I, I was actually an extra and grand theft were you yeah okay that's like a nice little piece of trivia i like that yeah. i like that um, and then, and then, you know, of course, as I said, we have Greg, uh, Greg Shell, his father, Ronnie Shell. Um, Greg, what do you, what do you, what's your recollection from when you were a kid and you know, your dad, you know, being on both of those shows, what was it always present? Well, you know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, I was born in 1970. So my dad had already sort of done, you know, the bulk of his Gomer Pyle uh, television appearances. He had gone on uh, in my early childhood to doing the Carol Burnett show and Johnny Carson appearances. And mm -hmm. he was still traveling around the country, opening up for people like, uh, Bill Cosby and Kingston trio and stuff like that. So I came slightly later. However, uh, yeah, my dad was always working. I mean, the one thing about my father, it's been so lucky all these years, you know, my dad's 91 years old now. He looks uh, great. Thank you. And he's still working, which is crazy. Uh, you know, he does all kinds of, you know, these talent reviews. He goes to Mayberry Days every year, signs autographs. And of course, that's how, you know, I met Stark Howell. Um, well, I met Stark Howell before Mayberry Days and told him about it. And that's how this whole Mayberry Man thing was born because. No way. I, yeah, because I told Stark, I said, Stark, you got to, You know, your dad's Hoke Howell. You have to come and see the mania that is Mayberry Days, you know, and um come and sign autographs for your dad you know and he, he probably was thinking to himself what are you talking about why would anyone be interested in my autograph or signing for my dad but he did and i think that was like the seed or the genesis of the idea to create a character who suddenly gets thrown into a mayberry festival total fish out of water i mean i'm giving the plot away for mayberry man but that is how this all started and getting back to my father um to answer your question in a roundabout way, yes, I was always uh, growing up, me and my brother, having to see my dad in different commercials and television shows, and and it was different. It was a very different kind of childhood, you know, because we had people like Don Knotts and Tim Conway and Harvey Corman and Mel Brooks and all these people over to our house for dinner uh, wow. when we grew up in Encino. I had no idea that they were any different than anybody else's families, you know. I just thought, well, that's Uncle Don, that's Uncle Mel. You know, only wow. much later did I realize that's Mel Brooks having dinner at our house, you know. It's it it is weird to kind of look back on my childhood and realize how privileged it was in so many different ways and I'm only now just suddenly realizing that, you know, through getting older and realizing not everybody had this kind of experience growing up. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I love that. I love the the tie in there to to Mayberry Man, which is obviously a big part of of our discussion today. Um, so so that that's how it transformed. Stark, why don't you tell us like what what took place? You show up at Mayberry Days, and and were the wheels turning? What was going on there? Well, Greg's right. I I thought I, no one wants my autograph, but I kind of gave in and said, if you can get me an invite. And they'll fly me there thinking they're nuts if they spend money on flying me out, right? If they fly me there and put me up, I'll, I guess I'll show up. I have some photos, some wow. old photos of the show. And I said, I suppose I could sign those. So I sent, sent the lady, the photos, they, they loved it. They, they set me up and Greg's warning me ahead of time. This is like a week whirlwind week. You'll, you'll, there's nothing like it. And uh, you know, by the end of it, you know, as Greg and I would talk during the week, I'm like, there's, there's a story here. We could, I could write something and wow. I bet we could get some crowdfunding from the fan base too. And it just kind of snowballed from there. We had some, we had dinner, one of the last nights, uh, Laura Hagan, um, uh, Maggie Peterson and a few others were at the table. And Greg, of course, is 
outgoing, right? So he's like, Stark, tell him about your idea. (laughs) Okay, well, I was thinking I'd do this and everybody went, oh, that sounds really cute. You should do that. So I went home and started typing away. And uh, three or four months later, I had a first draft of Mayberry Man. And you, one thing that I noticed about Mayberry Man is you you really went out of your way. You didn't just go, you know what, great, we'll, we've got this title, we'll use Mayberry, whatever. You like really tied it in for the fans. I mean, as you said yeah, before, you had idea. a lot of nuggets. Well, I am a fan. So, you know, it wasn't hard. So I, you know, what would I want to see? And, uh, you know, there's, there's a scene that's about six seconds on camera was probably the hardest, most labor intensive to design and create. And that was like the storefront of uh, Crowley's market. Mm-hmm. And because the traffic was so loud, uh, this was this market set was on highway 36, which is Harley Davidson, you know, thoroughfare. Yeah, we couldn't yeah. really shoot any dialogue scenes there. So, and you know, it got six seconds on screen, but that was a labor of love. I made sure that every prop looked identical. And so I'm, I'm hoping the fan, I think the fans appreciated the extra effort making Floyd's, the Floyd's barbershop look like Floyd's Mm -hmm. to the, you know, to exact proportions as far as lettering and coloring and, and, and yeah, and and I did it because I, I would want that as a fan. I would want to feel, I always try to figure out well, what do I want the audience to feel and think and what do I want the response to be? And then, okay, I know what I want it to be. How do I get it? How do I get there? Mm-hmm. And so by doing all that, um, you just sort of, you can't sit back and go, oh, this is a lot of work. You just got to do it. You just got to commit to it and hope it pays off. And, you know, it's not like we are, you know, we're not making a ton of money on Mayberry, man. It was a labor of love. Sure. We actually, Court and I didn't draw any salaries for, t- I, I didn't work for two years because I worked on the movie. Yeah. And, um, you know, fortunately uh, later in my life, I've, I'm able to do that. If I were raising in the middle of raising my children, I would not have had an opportunity to do no, that. That'd be very tough. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I did. And the inspiration was the show. You know, I'd write a scene and I'd try to think of what what does this feel like? What episode could, you know, could this feel like? And then I just go to the episode and tweak it a bit. I wouldn't lift completely, but it's like, you know what? This sounds like the scene when Barney bought his first car and, mm-hmm. and the old lady and this and that. And so I, I, I tried to draw in elements that were very familiar, but not exact replicas because we didn't want to replicate the show. Uh, and we didn't want to do skits like from the show. We just wanted it to feel like the show. Uh, which which and episode, I mentioned earlier on Laura Hagan. Yeah, uh, Stark. Which episodes kind of influenced you? By the way, that you well, there was the about. one where uh, the Barney's got his first car. It broke down on the highway. I think that's unless I'm crossing episodes. But they they go to uh, was it uh, the car thieves and they go into the garage and they fell asleep in the car and it gets towed into the garage right and so barney's sneaking around so the scene where they you know come across the uh general lee is kind of that scene um there's a lot of lines that i just lifted and put here and there that make it you know that kind of the banter that would happen on the show um there's others Crime like free mayberry that was with the uh, courthouse tour right crime free mayberry courthouse tour was one that was almost pretty close. I mean, I actually did use the same dialogue, except instead of Floyd saying it, it was a tour guide saying it. And it tweaked it a little bit because, you know, Barney would say, you know, our incorrigible prisoners and all that. And, you know, I'd give some lines to her and it's just a mix mash, a mashup of, of that scene that hopefully people enjoyed. So I can take some credit for the, you know, for the scenes, but it all came from the show. I mean, all of my inspiration was based on the show. Wow. Wow. Court, um, what was your overall uh, feeling working with, you know, Stark? I mean, you know, everybody thinks, oh, that's so great. They're related and everything. But um, was it was it all or or is it, you know, do you have of your Of course difficulty? it was. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was a wonderful experience. <laughs> well, when, when you're working on something for two years for no pay, there can be a little tension. <laughs> well, there's, always, there's always tension between the director and the producer, whoever they are, because the director yeah. wants his vision. The producer's trying to cap the spending. Sure. So I, I didn't know says that no going all in. the time. Yeah. yeah. 
but we didn't have a lot of you know we we both had the same goal and that was it's it's really i always say it was made by the fans for the fans so we just kind of kept our our energies toward how we i felt like we sort of owe it to the fans we started this thing mm -hmm. it's not about us it's about the fan experience um if we can get that across it really doesn't matter you know i didn't have this ego or anything it was pr pretty much for the fans you know it was a labor of love and i think court had the same support for that so you know i i don't think we argued about a whole lot of budget things because we didn't have a budget to begin with so there's not a lot to there's not a lot of money to argue over so you just do what you do i created a lot of stuff myself um and then we yeah. had a ton of people i was going to show one of the one of the props <laughs> from uh this is from the market scene and that's like an exact replica of what they used on the andy griffith show now and the super fan whole, would know that how so there's a whole window that? full of stuff like this you know how did yeah. you do that though i just i'm an artist i went to art school so i created it wow i'm a fabricator and i and i love doing that so during we had covid Right. Well, here's, so everybody's here's the back side of the can, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just to see it. That's that's a printed out on my computer. But wow. we had COVID that happened, right? So no one's going anywhere. So I actually had a about a year to prep for this show. So wow. it in a perfect world without COVID, I probably wouldn't have had time to do all of that, but I did. So every day I woke up and I how else can I plus this today? And I just keep I, the more time you have, the better everything gets. And right know, that's the way it happened um uh you know you, you made the first movie which which was amazing in itself that that you did it okay and then um what happens what uh you know you know now you're going to mayberry man the series which is pretty darn impressive from independent filmmakers i mean that's that's really cool um court what did, what did you do like you know i mean I, I from your angle how does that come about well you know, there was talk about doing a sequel and um, Stark worked on a sequel and the way it was going, there's just so many stories you could tell in this new modern day Mayberry. And so then somewhere along the lines, uh, the idea of, well, what about doing it as a series? And our distributor said, yeah, we could, we could sell a series. And so we kind of worked, started working in that direction. And this time we, we did crowdfunding again for some of it. But we also, you know, found private investors, so we're a little better funded, although it's a much bigger project. And uh, but the really cool thing about Mayberry Man the series is because of the pandemic on the movie, we lost a lot of the talent that were connected to the Andy Griffith show that were supposed to be in it. And Greg's father was one of them. You know, people yeah. couldn't travel because of COVID and all that. Well, right. now we get to do it, and you know, we've already shot Ronnie Shell's scenes. Um, Oh, wow. Karen Knotts is coming back. Uh, she'll be playing a character this time. In the movie, she plays herself, uh, Don Knotts' daughter. Uh, but now she's going to be have like a regular character in the show. Um, George Lindsay Jr., Goober's son, uh, he couldn't participate in the movie. Well, he's coming and uh, he's going to be playing a character in the show. Laura Hagan, who we've mentioned, um, she's got a part in it. So we have all these... Um, authentic uh, Mayberry uh, legacies, if you will, I love now it. participating on screen. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, without a doubt. Greg, how did, what'd, you, what'd your dad, uh, what'd your dad have to say about that? I mean, obviously it's a little different when it's, it's, you know, father and son. What was his take? How do you, how do you enjoy that experience? Well, I think my father, um, first of all, is really blown away that the Mayberry sort of spirit has lasted so long. Not only the television show has never been off the air since 1960, which is, I believe, a, a world Guinness Book of World Record kind of thing. You know, like there's no other show that beats it. Wow. Um, as the longevity. Of it the feels show. like it's always on, by the way. Like literally well, it is. always on. It's, it's never yeah. been off the air since 1960 and not even I Love Lucy or Love Boat or any of these other shows can claim that. Right. So that's the first part. The second part is my dad, you know, having gone through this entire career, 50 plus years, 60 plus years as an entertainer, you know, now it's his time to kind of relax and just sort of, you know, get the icing on the cake, so to speak. So yeah. 
you know, we wanted him to be in Mayberry Man, obviously, as Court suggested during COVID, a lot of the elderly actors couldn't travel, uh, mm -hmm. couldn't risk it. But now um, my dad was able to participate uh, and uh, he had a great time. He told me he was, you know, I actually was participating in something else when my dad was in Indiana shooting his scene. So oh, he, no. had Come on. Yeah, he had to tell me after, but he said it was fantastic. He said the crew, the cast, they couldn't have been nicer. Stark was, um, you know, creative enough to allow my dad some leeway in terms of even the script. He didn't have to be completely off book. He could improvise a little bit because, you know, my dad's a natural, you know, after all these years. Yes, so he, is, he yeah. was allowed to kind of, you know, work his speech the way only my dad knows how to work it. And and I think he really appreciated that. You know, it wasn't like Stark says, oh, no, you have to keep to these four lines, you know, or whatever it was. I got you. Well, two things I want to say is off camera, you can tell me what you really thought about Stark directing. Oh, I will. Don't <laughs> we'll talk about that. Uh, okay. But it was good. It was a good, good line. Um, but um, as far as uh, your dad, your dad was tight like very close with don knots i know that he even performed yeah. the eulogy i believe at his memorial um yeah. so what for you as like you know his son and knowing that bond like you said having karen knots be part of this was that kind of a special thing for you oh i think so i think uh you know we we i did grow up with don knots coming to dinner to our house a lot mm -hmm. and so he was not only just a character, Barney Fife on the Andy Griffith show and all these other movies, Apple Dumpling Gang and all the things he did as Don Knotts, but he was Uncle Don, you know, he was our friend. So right. for him to have his daughter, Karen, in our project, yeah, right. it meant a lot to me. Uh, it, I'm sure it meant a lot to the house as well, you know, just wrangling all of these uh, living descendants, you know, or living people, actors, actresses, people that were involved or parents that were involved in the series is, is an important part of this whole process. Because otherwise, you know, if Stark had just hired a bunch of actors, let's say, right. you know, no one had anything to do with the Andy Griffith show, it wouldn't have the same kind of magic. I, I just know it wouldn't. Because part of the thing that makes it so special, I think, is the fact that you do have these living descendants that are in the project itself. I agree, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that now, like as Court was saying, you know, we've got George Lindsay Jr., Karen Knotts, uh, myself, both the Howells, you know, you know, who appear in Mayberry Man. And I'm sure- hey, Wait, you guys are in it? The Howells? Very small parts. Little cameo, yeah. They're, they're cool. in it. They're Only in because it. we didn't have anything, anyone cast for these two <laughs> yes. roles. Court comes up to me and he says, I got two parts we haven't filled yet. How about you take one and I take the other? I'm like, really? I love and it. So I took yeah, the one yeah. with the least amount of dialogue. What do you play? What do you each of you I'm, play? By? What is my name? Bert? I think you're Bert. Bert the janitor. Yeah, Bert's, Bert's cleaning janitor. up after the uh, festival. And then uh, I'm a traveling businessman checking in at the hotel. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I don't plan on doing another cameo in the series, but yeah. who knows? Yeah, maybe that could come up. And Greg, you were in the first one, right? Or are you also in this one? I don't even know. Greg's yes. in both. And Greg oh, yes. is awesome. He steals the he steals every scene he's in. Um wow. so I really and it's not because we're friends, and it's not because he said I'm a great director. Right, but, right, right. Um, but it helps. I mean, I'll be honest with you, it helps. <laughs> it didn't hurt any. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he uh I, his character is just a funny character, and so it goes to another level in the series that I think is going to be pretty darn funny yeah we're going to be shooting my uh scenes uh in a couple of weeks here and yeah. uh i'm looking forward to it because yes we've definitely upped the ante in terms of my <laughs> uh character and, and it makes me laugh <laughs> if you can make yeah, me yeah. laugh i hope everybody else is enjoying it as much as i am but yeah yeah, yeah. I, and it's I great bet. for me too because you know i get to uh sort of you know have fun with it you know it's it's sort of loosely based on myself but it's like an exaggerated version of myself yeah. you know kind yeah. of the overly zealous filmmaker who suddenly has some success and like what that really looks like both physically and also in my dialogue so there is oh, a little bit of methodology yeah to the study yeah. of this character and um so i'm looking forward to uh to shooting that so That's it'll be cool. a lot of, it'll be a lot of fun yeah Where i didn't really want to cast him as the 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 shy man a few words <laughs> yeah. type 
that would not be good typecasting. No, 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 no. (laughs) Wasting talent right there. We're, uh, I I would agree with you on that. We're, um, just for the people that, you know, either aren't familiar with the Mayberry Man movie, you know, the original or even the series, where did you primarily um, shoot? So we, we, um, yeah, we filmed um, in Mount Airy, North Carolina, which is Andy Griffith's hometown, which was the, where the Mayberry Days Festival takes place. That was the inspiration for it. But Ultimately, we couldn't do as much there as we wanted to. So we ended up uh, shooting in a town outside of Indianapolis called Danville, Indiana. And we kind of turned that into Mayberry. They have kind of a traditional town square. And um, the people there really embraced the project. And it was amazing, the volunteerism. And I mean, people showed up with their classic cars and all people worked tirelessly, you know, 12, 14, 16 hours a day, you know, just volunteering. And uh, it was quite the community, you know, community effort. And so that's where we shot the bulk of it. There's some scenes that take take place in L.A. So we shot a little bit in Los Angeles. Um, And this time around for the series, we did go back to Danville, Indiana and Mount Airy, North Carolina for some of it, but we're shooting a lot of it in Los Angeles this 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 month, so. Interesting. Um, yeah, and I should also mention that in Danville, Indiana, they did have their own Mayberry Festival there called Mayberry in the Midwest, which was sort of a smaller version of Mayberry Day. So they already had a big community following of Andy Griffith Show fans. So when we sort of looked at Danville and and, you know, obviously, Court and Stark had said, yeah, this is great. This is a beautiful town square. Yeah. And it already had the, you know, the history of having a festival there dedicated to the Andy Griffith show. It just seemed like a perfect fit. And so when these people did show up with their classic cars for our, our big parade scene, uh, it was amazing. I mean, there was, there must've been 75 to hundred cars that showed up that day. Oh and, my God. Yeah. And people dressed up, you know, they did the tribute thing. You know, there was an aunt B there was go- goobers, there was, Barney's, I mean, it was like the entire town showed up for our Mayberry Man movie because they got robbed of the Mayberry in the Midwest Festival because of COVID. So we kind of resurrected that festival feeling that whole weekend. And so, uh, yeah, we were really lucky in that sense. And, and Danville's a great to, little town. So, yeah. They got to see the behind the scenes, you know, of making a movie. So they yeah. got a little bonus uh, that I think they all enjoy just being flies on the wall and watching the process. Um, oh, so that was sure. cool. Yeah, what an opportunity. What a, what a smart move to shoot there. Well, and then they get to see themselves on the big screen, which has got to be mind-blowing. Uh, yeah. you know, like I've had so many people come up to me and they live in small towns in Indiana, you know, uh, farms and whatnot and they said if you would have told me two years ago that i was going to be in a movie and, you know they just there's just no way to even see that coming that's so cool but the end okay. of the show opened up a lot of open they didn't do it for me i mean nobody really knew who i was i think we we got the support because of our parents so they felt like we you know we weren't going to mess it up too right. bad i mean there's no telling i mean i could have i could be the worst director on the planet they didn't know right. that right but they at least knew my heart was in the right place and there was a connection to the show and i felt a sense of you know responsibility so that's why they came out because they wanted to support me because i was supporting the show and you know they didn't know anything about me or court or they knew little a lot of them knew greg from five years of going to the uh, mayberry days right right and that's so another sort of our ambassador too. And yeah, another another good point, too, is, um, you know, to a lot of these super fans, you know, the Andy Griffith show is something very sacred. And anyone who comes in to try to emulate or try to do something that's based on the Andy Griffith show, you already have a big target on your back because they're going to say, hey, don't trample on our sanctuary, you know? Right, right. So, so I think Stark knew that ahead of time, and he was very careful, and we were all very careful in making our first movie and with the series now to not, uh, you know, do anything that would be outside the spirit of Mayberry, because we we're trying to honor, you know, everything that we can about the Andy Griffith show, because the Andy Griffith show is a special thing and it'll never be repeated. It'll never be duplicated. All we can do is make something that would make Andy Griffith show people proud. And, and then hopefully we've done that. 
because that's a large part. Yeah. 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 It's a huge part, you know, and you don't realize that going into a creative project, you know, people could have just said, oh, we're, we're going to do whatever we want. It's our project. But then you'd have a ton of Andy Griffith Show fans saying, this is terrible. You know, like we would never support this. So we wanted to make sure that um, when we made the movie and now continuing with the series that we that we continue to honor that spirit, that tradition, you know, and and I think it comes across. So, yeah, it certainly yeah. it certainly feels like it. Stark, for you, obviously, from what I recall from the first film, you're you're working with um, uh, and of course, I blank in the middle of the podcast here, but the um, people that recreate the original character tribute artists. Thank tribute you. Artists. Tribute artists. That was it. I have to edit that. No, I'm kidding. And <laughs> but um, the tribute artists, how was that for you? Because that that's kind of a unique deal as a director to be working with tribute artists, not just actors. What, how did, how did that play? Well, the first thing that I had to find out was uh, if Floyd the barber who does tribute artist Floyd, he's been doing it for 20 plus years. Uh, I asked him before I even wrote a, a stitch of dialogue, if I write a, a movie, could you play Floyd? I know you can do that. Would you play Floyd? But could you play a guy playing Floyd? Because you won't be Floyd 100% of the time. So you'll have to be a person. You'll be acting. You'll have to hit marks. And there's going to be a camera. Do you think you could do that? Because I needed glue to, I, he had to be the glue. And he said, yeah, I think I can do that. So that was the first thing. But the, as far as the tribute artists, I didn't have to do a thing. Because they knew exactly how to be these characters. They, None of them, if, unlike one of the episodes where... Hollywood comes to Mayberry and everybody gets all gussied up. Yeah, that's what I was. Nobody about. did anything yeah. weird. They just came as they normally do, and they became those characters. I didn't have to direct them. I mean, that was the easy part. Wow, no problems whatsoever with any of them. Well, were they were were they all close? By the way, Court were they like close? You know, close group. Yeah, most of them. I mean, we we introduced a few new people because again, COVID. A couple of people dropped out, some of the regulars, but uh, um, yeah, they're a close-knit group. Uh, and I wanted to mention Alan Newsom, who played Floyd. Mm -hmm. He's been doing Floyd, I think, last count, 27, 28 years. But he's got a podcast, Two Chairs No Waiting. Mm -hmm. I think he's done over 700 episodes. So if anybody's listening to your podcast, oh watching gosh. your podcast, they you got to go check out Two All Chairs Things no Mayberry. Waiting. Go to Two Chairs No Waiting because there's a different topic every week and they get into the, the minutia of it all. It's wow. really good. Well, and from doing 700 podcasts, I think that's where I was going to go with that is that I think there was a comfort factor there that Alan's able to be himself on camera as well as be, being Floyd. So it's like then, uh, it's like part of him at this point, I imagine. It's yeah. yeah. Is it hard for you to separate the two? Um, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, sometimes when somebody does, uh, you know, they've been that involved, they recreated that much. Are you always, is it like, oh, I'm talking to Alan right now, or, <laughs> oh, I'm talking to Floyd, you know? I mean, well, that's a, I that's think a you need to time. ask his, you need to ask his wife, because yeah. I think she's yeah. described that as he's like half Floyd, half Alan anyway, in wow. everyday life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and he's Floyd I wondering if... time through the movie he is Floyd. Uh yeah. because we're we're at a week-long tribute, we're at a week-long festival. So they're kind of always in character in the movie. In the series, now we get to see what Floyd's day job is. And Flo and Alan said that was a little more challenging for him because he had to be Alan, and his character name is Alan, also in the series. So oh, wow. So now he had to be not, but I, I made it a little easier on him. I said, I don't want you to be hundred percent Alan. I want you to keep about 40% Floyd in your persona yeah, because I don't, yeah. I don't not no offense, but maybe no one thinks Alan is all that interesting, but they do, they do like Floyd. So, you know, you can go into your Floyd when you need to just keep entertaining. And, but he did say that was a, he had to be a, a he had to pay more attention because he can always go into Floyd. No problem. You want Floyd? He'll go into his regular routine. But right. uh, yeah, and you get to see what, what the all the tribute, well, not all of them. You get to see what the Barney tribute artist does on his day job in the series. Um, Barney, who else do we go yeah. by? Who? Gomer. 
Gomer. Yeah. We know now we know what Gomer does for a day job. Oh, that's cool. So that's we're okay. kind of getting more into okay, the festival's over, but we're still in the town of Mayberry. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised at how likable these characters were. Because I'm not a comedy writer, and I don't know that it was laugh out loud funny on the page, but yeah. when they put flesh on it, they you really started to like these people. And that's when everyone kept coming up to me going, you're going to do a sequel, right? You're going to do a sequel. They usually want a sequel when they want to see more, right? So they oh, liked for it. sure. And so it gave me an opportunity to say, okay, now in the town of Mayberry, we'll, we'll give these folks some depth and give them lives outside of a festival. And uh, they do have a festival at the very end of the series, but for the most part, it's life in Mayberry. And there's a crisis, of course, in Mayberry that has to be solved. But uh, but Alan and uh, Alan and Warren is his regular name. Uh, the Barney and the Floyd. There, it's it's a it's a kind of a buddy thing. They hang out like Andy and Barney did in the series. Oh, so, wow. and then there's Uber and there's others, but. Uh, and then Greg Shell, of course, we beefed that up, and we've added a few new characters. Uh, we've added we've added an antagonist character or two. Uh, oh, wow! So it's it should be. I think you know, there's enough of there's enough Andy Griffith throughout the whole thing that the diehards, you know, I'm sure I'll get some diehards going. There's not enough Andy Griffith show, yeah. but it it really is. Every scene has something to do with the Andy Griffith show. Even if right. it's Alan and Warren talking, it's still a scene that you were familiar with from the Andy Griffith show. There's well, one of the one oh, of the criticisms, you know, questions we would get about the movie is like, well, yeah. why? Where was Andy? Why was there no Andy? Or you know, where's Aunt B? And I mean, there were Andy or Aunt B and Opie were represented visually in a couple of scenes, but there was no Andy because there really isn't anyone who does the Andy as a tribute artist. And it would really? be a, he's the straight man. So it'd be kind of tough for yeah. an, you know an, an amateur performer to go to a festival and interact with everybody as Andy. So it just has yeah. never really happened. And so that wasn't written into our story. Um, but now in the series, because it's really more about Mayberry and modern day Mayberry with these people who are tribute artists, yeah, there's less of that, you know, there shouldn't be this where's Andy thing, because this is kind of something that will stand on its own. It's going to feel like the Andy Griffith show, but it's its own thing. Now. And the movie star, Chris Stone, he, he he was sort of the Andy figure in the movie. Like when they went on their little adventure, he was the straight man and Floyd and Barney were were the comedy. So he yeah. and I and I specifically wrote some scenes with that in mind. Andy would cover for Barney. Andy would make sure Barney didn't get killed in a, you know, in a gunfight. And so I gave the, that role to Chris Stone. Um, and so that's the way it worked in the movie and the TV show. I mean, also we're not trying to recreate the show. So. Right. Right. What do we do with, you know, Andy, what do we do with Andy Griffith? It was his show. Right. I, we can't take him from his own show and put him in our show. So we just use the peripheral characters, which is where the comedy was anyway. Does does uh, George Lindsay's uh, son, by the way, does he does he can you can you tell? Can you go? Oh, that's that's definitely his son. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He looks Absolutely. like him, and he's yeah. and he's funny, quirky. Um, oh, that's cool. He doesn't look like. I, I think George Lindsay did a great job of looking really stupid. I mean, hey, like yeah. no brains. Um, he doesn't look. He doesn't look like that. But I, I don't think George Lindsay looked like that when he wasn't Goober either. Right. But he just had a great way of presenting himself as that goober character. Well, our father did a great job of looking stupid as Dud Wash. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> very true. And a lot of a lot of sitcoms, he, he came on as stupid. I love that. There was actually one. He did a movie that ended up being on Mystery Science Theater 3000, you know, which is the one that makes fun of the low budgets and they talk. And they yeah. literally called him a rock stupid hillbilly. Wow. So I mean, he's typecast. Yeah. Well, he did. He obviously, did a great job. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us. I mean, what you can, I guess, when you think that this, you know, the series, you know, may come out roughly. What, um, you know, what can you tell us about the series? I mean, you've told us a little bit. What are you free to kind of court? I don't know if you want to take this one. What, what do you, what do you feel like is okay to like let out? 
Well, you know, there's because it's a series, there's a lot of spoilers, I guess, along the uh, way. So we are being thanks. careful. Um, but, uh, you know, we're in production through almost till Thanksgiving. And then we have a break and we still have at least one more production day in the spring because of a specific location that becomes available. And we felt for the production value, it's worth the wait. Wow. So that means you can tell them, you can probably tell them what that is. You don't have to tell them much about it, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so being in Indianapolis, um, you know, through various connections, uh, we connected with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And so there's an opportunity to go and sort of piggyback on one of their events where we can actually film some scenes at the at track. The, you mean during like one of the events at the speedway? Yeah, exactly. So that's huge. Like with real race cars. And and we have uh, a scene in Al Unser's suite with oh, Al wow. Unser doing a cameo. Okay, so that's, that's worth cool. it. That's way worth it. Yeah, that's, that's cool. why we're waiting till, till April. So yeah. we can be editing everything else and 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 working towards finishing, but um, that happens April in April, so uh, it'll probably be mid-year before we can even show it to our our supporters. Uh, yeah. But ultimately, we're doing it, you know, as an indie project. So then we got to shop it and uh, try to get a distribution deal. Yeah, indie I've got project. you. I've got. What, we did there. Go what was that, Gregory? Indie project. It was a, it's a double entendre. It's an Indy 500. That's true. That's true. You know, it's funny. You were ta you talked about that raceway. And one of the things that I'd seen, oh, I don't know, months back was Don Knotts. One of the things that he did, he actually sponsored like a, I want to say it was like either a, a, an oil, a motor oil, or it was like go-karts. It was like a go-kart company. Yeah, something like that. that. It was just so random. And, hmm. um, and he was at a racetrack and he was with the little go-kart. You know, sitting there. So I don't know. Well, just, for funny. for years, Jim Neighbors sang at the Indy 500 every year back home in Indiana. That oh, was a tradition at the Indy, at the Indianapolis 500. Oh my God, I never knew that. I used to watch as a kid growing up. They'd always televise the Indy 500. I never picked that up. Oh, that's that's pretty wild. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. I I like it. I like the I like the tie-in. So. For the first movie, Mayberry Man, we're like, as a, you know, as a Andy, Andy Griffith, can't even say, as an Andy Griffith fan, where can you go to see it right now? Where, where is it shown? So, so right now it's available on Amazon Prime for uh, rent or purchase. Um, but we did pick up distribution and basically the first of the year, it'll be out in a whole bunch of places for streaming. Um, in particular, it'll be on Pure Flix, which is like a faith and family subscription, yes. you know, the Netflix for it. faith and family. Yeah, it's perfect, and, uh, actually. It'll yeah. be on all your iTunes and Google Play and all that stuff uh, January 1st. But right now it's on Amazon. Okay, that, that's pretty nice. Are you... Um... As you're going forward, is is it is it kind of like okay, that's your last that'll be your last scene at the um, at the speedway, or are you still kind of writing right now? Where are you at? No, Sorry. that's it. We have a five episode season one. Oh wow! And the idea is to do it wow. so well that we can uh, get some funding for a season two. But even you know, with our investors, we're underfunded. We're still doing it as a low budget cutting corners wherever we can kind of thing not that we want to you know spend like crazy in season two but no. i don't know that i would want to do another season with the budget we have because it's just too hard uh, to to pull off uh what makes it you know one three people do the work of 10 because you can't afford to hire the crew to do it uh and I don't know I'm getting too old for that so I'm hoping that we we it's so good that you know, we can get some serious backing to do it the right way and not have it to be so, such a low budget uh, endeavor. Yeah, check out our YouTube channel. We have a lot of content and you get a real good sense of how, what we're doing and the community and, you know, just the, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of good, you know, in the spirit of Mayberry fun. And uh, there's merch too for Christmas time. There's DVDs and t-shirts and hats. There's I a see the hat uh, that starts wearing in this. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if you guys have that stuff. Mine's, mine says crew on it, so uh, <laughs> that's not. But um, yeah, Alan has a a store, an online store called Weaver's Department Store that has our merchandise on it. 
Oh, wow. Weaver's Department Store. Is that what it is? Weaver's Department Store.com. Yeah. They've got all kinds of Mayberry stuff, not just ours. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So what do you, what, you know, I think this is on any series, any movie that you do, what would you say was the hardest uh, aspect of this for you once you got shooting? I mean, I know that getting the money, getting it going, writing it, you know, and all that's very difficult. But once you're, once you started shooting this thing, where did you run into, you know, your biggest issues? The movie? Yeah. Or the series? Oh, the series. I'm sorry, the series. Yeah. <laughs> series was probably locations. Uh, we had an, not a lot of problem during COVID securing locations because nobody was going to work. The town was pretty shut down. Yeah. A little different now. So, um, you know, we, we, we had a, the town square again, but this time the, the town square has a courthouse in the center of it. There was a murder trial going on. So it's like, you know, we were restricted on what we, you know, we can't block off the roads. We, we can't do this. We can't do that. Um, and then we lost, uh, and one, one night we were planning on shooting. They said, well, the verdict is being, they're deliberating now and the verdict should be tonight. And oh, we've got SWAT teams on the roof. We and, were, we were planning a, a Christmas tree lighting ceremony and they've got SWAT guys, <laughs> snipers set up. So <laughs> we, you know, we had to relocate, which means we had to re-scout all over again as wow. if we had time. And then, you know, all of my blocking all, or all of my shot selections that I had in my mind are all out the window and we had to kind of regroup. And so that happened a few times. It's kind of one reason we're shooting more days in LA. We lost two locations all, all together. We couldn't wow. even shoot so we had to reschedule the actors reschedule everyone so i'd say just the logistics of getting the crew moving the crew around uh is tough when you only have you know a limited amount of production vehicles or or people to drive them and so everybody really volunteered and they they were working from sun up to sundown and then some um wow. Hopefully they, at the end of the day, it was worth it, but I'm sure there are moments during the day where they were wondering, you know, why they even got involved, but you can't stop. And it's, it, yeah. you just can't stop. And some people can handle it and some people can't. And the ones that can't would probably wow. break down and just not be able to handle it. Right. But most, I don't, I don't know of anybody that just bailed. So, you know, I think, I think everybody made it, but it was not easy. No, it doesn't sound like it. It your your lead, Chris Stone, by the way, how because you you were saying like in essence he's he's the Andy Griffith, you know, sense of uh, uh of the you know of the film like the Andy Griffith, not the show. What um where did you find him? I mean, is this an L.A. actor? No, he's, he's an not. Indiana based actor. Um, how did we find him, Court? Because I've told so, the story wrong. Yeah. So he um you know he's. Uh, well known in the faith film community he's also a filmmaker and uh, we had cast a character or two through a particular agent and I just reached out and said did have anybody we have to we, we went from union job union uh, project to a non-union project so yeah. we had to recast and she sent over one person she sent Brett Varvel the irony was Brett's uh, uncle is a Barney tribute artist. Oh, how bizarre. I mean, yeah, seriously, no, come on. <laughs> and and he, I think they when he was born, they lived in Danville, Indiana, where we were filming. Oh, that's so weird. So, um, yeah, so I love it. You know, it was uh it was fate. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't expecting a lot. Uh, but I saw his picture and I went, you know, he he looks like he could be a movie star. And I looked at a little bit of his work and went, he's a pretty good actor. Um so I said, well, we, it's, we, we're shooting in two weeks. I guess we should hire this guy. And <laughs> so he showed up for the table read. And I wasn't overly impressed at the table read. Um, in hindsight, he just wasn't going to give me his full performance. He was just, you know, going through it. But I'm, I've never seen this guy. So I was hoping to get a little more of what I was hoping to get from him. Yeah. But I didn't. So I was really nervous because I thought, oh, I'm going to have to like, tell him how to say all this stuff yeah. but on the first 
take of the first day, I knew that he knew exactly what he was doing. And he brought so much humor to it that I didn't even write in the character. And so when he when he became funny, now I thought this is a supposedly a despicable character, but we like him anyway. Yeah, that's hard to do when you've got it this hard. obnoxious movie star. You're naturally going to hate if you're even especially if you're an Andy Griffith fan. Right. And, uh, but I think he was he won everybody over just with his charm. And yeah, he's he's conceited movie star, but he's still funny. He still makes me laugh. And so I knew from that day that I was in good shape with Brett. That's pretty cool. Okay, I'm going to give you guys a little Andy Griffith. I, I want to know um, uh, just on, on the show. So obviously, look, I'm sure some of your favorite episodes for all three of you are when your your father was in the episode. So we're taking those off the table. So don't try that one. But um, what were for you, what um, other, you know, if you can't remember the title of the episode, I get it. I couldn't tell you. But um, what what would you say is your favorite episode that because obviously I'm sure you've seen a lot uh, having you know done this film what uh, what stands out for you um, you you want to start court which sure. one for you yeah my my favorite's convicts at large I just uh, uh, I think I know that one Floyd yeah. and and uh, and Barney and that and the the convict ladies uh, it's just uh, I never get tired of it. I love it. I love it. Hey, Google, what is the good Andy Griffith show? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think, uh, well, I'm going to jump in next. It's the Haunted Mansion episode, because really, I think it's maybe the only episode I've watched all the way from beginning to end. Wow. <laughs> You're no longer a producer on this project. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. I'm so guilty. No, I've, I've, believe it or not, I did do like a marathon weekend of Andy Griffiths down in San Diego because some friends of mine found out that I wasn't very familiar with the show. So they said, okay, we're sitting you down in this chair and you are, you're, we're going to force you to watch all these episodes. So I watched like 25 episodes, I think in one weekend or 30 episodes. I mean, not hard to do because once you get it, you're like, Oh, I want to see another one. I'd see another one. See yep. another one. But I still love the haunted mansion one, the best when they throw the baseball through the window and they have to go in and, you know, because I'm a big Halloween fan, so it just makes sense that, you know, Haunted House, it was the perfect themed Annie Griffith show episode for me. Oh, yeah, I love it, too. Stark, how about you? I think mine was the Foster's Furniture Polish episode. No, I'm just kidding. That was my <laughs> That's the one my dad was in. I was just going to say. Oh. <laughs> hey, Stark. No, no, mine, one of mine, because there are many. Uh, I like the, uh, I think it's called Three Wishes for Opie, where they get this uh, Count S. Von Telecki, and it's they make three wishes and they start to come true. And Barney's convinced that this Count S. Fontelecki exists. And it's pretty oh, funny. And I love the music in it. And uh, it's it's kind of a film noir version of the Andy Griffith show. Right, right. You know, it's it's so funny. This was many years ago. Uh, actually, Greg and I worked at the same uh, studio. At one time, we both worked for Whit Thomas Harris. And yeah. um, there, there was, I cannot remember who the producer is off the top of my head, but I remember one of our coworkers walking up and this was a very prolific producer. And he said, look, I really want to be a writer. And I, you know, I want to, I, you know, that's, that's my thing. And he was a writer, but he really wanted to know what's going to make me the best writer. And he said, um, there's one show I will tell you that is perfect from beginning to end the way it is written. It is, it is the perfect formula. And that's the Andy Griffith show. He said, go watch every episode of that because there's a, there isn't a better show out there that really encapsulates a character arc as well as that show. And, um, and you know, it's so funny. All these years later, I've thought about that every time I watch the show. And it is true. You know, you go to watch an, an episode and it's just perfect the way it drops you in and it takes you out, you know, and you're ready. You're ready to go right back, you know. Um, that's I think another cool. one could be Seinfeld would probably be another one I would say yeah uh, that is very well written yeah I agree definitely definitely in that category actually I don't even know Seinfeld wouldn't have even been produced at the time we were at with Thomas Harris probably right Greg? I don't think so no I think and I yeah, was, it Gil, so was it Gil Younger asking that question to Tom Straw because I think I was in the room oh yeah it might have been happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might be right. I was, on that. And I remember Tom Straw saying, just watch the Andy Griffith show. Yeah. Because that show is perfectly written. If I could write one episode of Golden Girls as good as any episode of the Andy Griffith show, 
I'll be a happy producer. Yes. Tell me this uh, with maybe a man and maybe we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up on that is uh, characters that uh, were not necessarily in it. Like, like tell us the characters that definitely were in it. And then like, is Ernest T. Bass? Is there someone that does? Oh does yeah. That... We have an Ernest T. in the movie. You uh, do? Oh yeah. yeah. He's got a little, you know, he does, he has some lines. He runs, he's got a really good Ernest T. He's one of the first characters that you hear when um, he shows up at this festival. He does a, I always thought the line that Ernest T had when he, when he said Mrs. Wiley called him a creature, you know, I always made me laugh. So I wrote a line that, you know, who are you calling a creature? Come back here kind of a line. And he runs through and does his thing. And I hope, you know, when I throw that stuff in there that the fans, they laugh at oh, it. Oh, come on, of course. You know, it's yeah. it's not that difficult. You know, it's it's kind of like Stuart Copeland. He's a drummer for the police and oh, I was listening to him. He yeah. said, all I did was I took the beat and I shifted it one note to the left. Wow. wow. <laughs> and he goes, you can't, you can't, if you're, if you're hearing this, you can't go to the left. You can go to the right maybe, but I've already got the left. So it's basically... <laughs> The formula is not that hard if you if you know what it is. Greg, what about for you? I mean, I know how close you are with your dad. I mean, you know, ha like I said, having known both of you for a long time. What what is it like for you though to you know? I mean, by the way, for people that are listening to, Greg has produced a couple of films on his own that he had done. You know, before before that, you know, the, the the three of them all came together for this. But your dad wasn't involved, and now you actually you know are having your father be involved. Is that is that a you know an emotional tie-in for you or not? I mean, sometimes it is. You know, I I sort of think about it. I mean, I don't know if this metaphor would really work, but it's sort of like if you know the son of Reggie Jackson participated in a in an all-star baseball game with his dad. You know, yeah. to watch his dad still get up to the plate and hit a home run, and then his son getting up and, you know, getting a base hit or maybe hitting a home run himself, you know, yeah. it's gotta be something like that kind of feeling, you know, where you're, you know, that your dad has accomplished so much in his life and you're so proud of him and you're so um, honored to be someone's son. And if you're able to give him a little bit of that magic back, um, it feels great. You know, it feels good. I know that someday, you know, long after, you know, my dad is gone, you know, I'll, I'm sure I'm going to look back and say, you know, well, at least I spent some very good quality years, you know, being with my dad and doing something that I know gave him a lot of pride and a lot of joy and a lot of great memories. When people see him in Mayberry Man the series, he may be getting some big offers. I like we'll it. We'll see about that. I like He might it. have his like own spinoff. Yeah, great. Yeah, I we'll love see. that yeah. idea. Yeah, but anyway, but no, but to answer your question in a in a shorter roundabout way, it's like it has been a really great honor to um, do stuff creatively and watch my dad get a lot of uh, sort of positive blowback from all the many years of his career entertaining people. You know, down to like signing an autograph for a super fan to actually being involved in the Mayberry Man project. That's cool. That's really cool. Well, guys, uh, I mean, I really appreciate you being on. I mean, I, I loved it. Uh, you know, for those of you that don't know, we we actually did an original one of Mayberry Man, the movie, early on. But I had such a bad connection. That we, we had no video. So it's really nice to have you guys on screen. It's been so fun. Um, yeah. Is uh, is there anything you want to leave the fans with? Because I, I guarantee you know that the Mayberry Man uh, crowd is going to be, you know, tuning into this and. And then you're going to have, you know, people that are, you know, followers of my channel that are going to tie in. What do you want to, is there anything you want to tell them? Anything you want to say? Uh, it's kind of, you know. Well, I'll let Court do the wrap up, but I, I would say that if you are a fan of the show, you can't go wrong with it because it's wholesome. Um, it feels like you're watching the show. It's not, I mean, I'm not as good as the writers on the original, but it's got, uh, it, it's got all the elements that a fan would really enjoy. And I don't think that I've had one fan say, oh, you didn't do that right. Or that's not the way that character would act. So you wouldn't, you won't be let down. You, you I think you'll enjoy it. Um, and then I'll let Court 
kind of close this out. Sure. Yeah, I would say we're also making an effort to sort of expand the audience a little bit. So we've got some younger characters, we've got some romance storylines going on, you know, it's, uh, it's just great, wholesome entertainment, the, you know, the way it used to be, you know, so it's, uh, you can't find it anymore. They don't make, I, I try to tune on, turn on some of these modern streaming, you know, series, and it's like, mm -hmm. I just, there's just no connection. I don't get it. I'll, I'll watch an old episode of Adam 12, you know? Yeah. So, you know, we're trying to bring back that classic feel, but it's a modern take on it. So I think there's a little something for anybody who appreciates classic television, as well as people that just want something that's clean and wholesome and positive, you know, to watch. Can they watch it? Uh, you know, I know you mentioned that it's going to be on Pure Flix. Is this something that uh, it's like, you know, mom, she's got, you know, she's got a couple kids in the background, whatever. Are, do you feel pretty good like they can have it on? Oh, absolutely. It's grandparents, parents and children can all watch it together. I mean, that's what you did with the Andy Griffith show. So that was always our approach. Um, people ask, well, what's it rated or whatever? And it's like, it's the Andy Griffith show. It's it'd be rated the same as that. Wonderful. I love hearing that. Yeah. Greg, anything you want to close out on? Well, I just wanted to say thanks, John, and thanks to the Howell brothers for having a wonderful discussion. Uh, I look forward to our next meeting of the minds. And yeah, please, uh, if it's uh, something that piques your interest, I encourage you to look up Mayberry Man and in the future, Mayberry Man the series, because uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, thanks a bunch. God, I loved having Thank you on. We've been talking for a long time. Yeah, no problem. And maybe after you, after the series goes, who knows, maybe we'll do this again. So, yeah. all right. Yeah. All right. Pleasure. Have an awesome one, guys. Bye-bye. Later. Thanks for coming. And uh, please check us out also on youtube.com slash that's classic TV, where you can actually watch and see the celebrities that are on the show. Thanks again. Bye-bye.